You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the Washington, D.C. office of the law firm Polsonelli. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Brian McKnight, Polsonelli, Noam Fishman, and Spiggle, and Phil Fagan from Polsonelli. We have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today, including Ann Lynham Goddard, President and CEO of Child Fund International, Carolyn Perrant, President and CEO of LiveSafe, um, Barry Morris, President and CEO of Caprilo, and Mickey Williams, Executive Vice President, JK Moving Services. Let, let's get to know our first guest first, Ann Lynham Goddard, President and CEO of Child Fund International. And what is Child Fund International? What do you guys do? Yeah, Child Fund works to help kids and have a better life, mm-hmm. be healthy, educated, skilled, and confident. So we work with vulnerable kids in developing countries. How many different countries are you working in, yeah. and, and what are you doing in those countries? Yeah. About 27 countries in Latin America, Asia, and Africa, mm-hmm. and we're working to g- develop opportunities for kids. How so do you they, go about doing that? We work with local partner organizations, local nonprofits in country. We have over 400 local part, local nonprofit partners, and we give them technical assistance, training, et cetera, and they run programs in health education and youth development. Did you tell us in the green room that part of your job is to work with and help convince some of these local mm-hmm. folks to help with these local folks? What was that all about? Yeah. I think a long time ago, we used to think local culture was something we couldn't touch, but now we realize that holds communities back. What are you so, talking about there? What so do you mean? A good example is girls getting girls into school. A lot mm-hmm. of communities and, and conservative cultures, they're not for girls' education, so it takes a lot of convincing and building trust to local communities so they'll take the chance and they'll send the girls to school. So in certain countries, it's not natural to educate mm-hmm. the girls, mm-hmm. and you're trying to help uh, uh, convince yeah. some of the local communities to educate educate the girls as well as others. Yeah, convincing parents. Convincing that it's not a risk to send their kid to school. Hmm, interesting. Where are you from originally? I was born in Dublin, Ireland. How many brothers and sisters? Seven. Didn't you mention you have a memory of something that happened about three years old? Yeah, when I was about three years old, we came, my family, by ship to New York City. You remember that? Um, My earliest memory is being on the ship, sharing a room with my siblings. Was that a scary feeling? Was that, you know, was a lot of anxiety and people screaming and yelling at each other? No, I remember excitement. Excitement. Something new. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Seven. And so where were you in the pecking order? I'm in the middle. I have three older sisters, three younger sisters, and an older brother. And what did that do to you? How are you different than the rest? Um, well, I've turned out to be the biggest risk taker. I think mm-hmm. my whole family would say Didn't that. I don't know why. Did you tell us you a Peace Corps or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was my first thing. I think um, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to see the world when where, I graduated so college. So where'd you go? I went to Kenya. How many different countries have you lived in? I've lived in five countries over 20 years, in developing countries. Uh-huh. And when I was in Kenya, mm-hmm. I signed up for the most remote site. Mm-hmm. So I was in a very when you were uh, 14, didn't you tell us you had another experience? Yeah, I have an older sister, and she was already out of high school and mm-hmm. had a job and was earning money and wanted to have her own apartment with her girlfriend. And my father absolutely said mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. So I said, no way am I going to stay home till I get married, which is what he wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. So I figured out how to pay my way through college how and about, went away. Uh, how about becoming a U.S. citizen? What was that all about? That was very exciting. Just before I turned, I was about 15 years old. I yeah. remember it very well. What was that about? What do you mean? Well, it was like I was really committing to this country, and um, it was, you know, a big change for my whole life, and this is where I was going to stay. So how'd that end up affecting, what was that experience? What affected your ending up being the uh, president and CEO of Child Fund International? I think that I realized that I had a great opportunity. My family, working class family, my 
relatives in Ireland, never went on to college. The U.S. opened so many opportunities for my family. We're all college-educated, post-college degrees. And I realized, like, why should it just be an accident of your birth, what opportunity you have in life? You're telling me that, um, you know, you're running the organization that helps encourage education around the world for girls in developing countries, et cetera. You're telling me that the fact that you were able to get yourself educated, you wanted to spread that possibility? That's Why really not? driving you? Why not? I, I feel like it shouldn't be an accident of your birth what opportunity you have. That's how I look at it. Didn't you take this job because you're making more money doing this than anything else? No. What do you mean? No. I took the job because it was a great opportunity to lead an organization. I've been the president now 10 years. It was a big risk to take on an organization. And, mm. you know, I took it as a challenge. But my career has always been... Excellent. Who's got the next question here? Opportunities. So you described yourself as a risk taker growing up, and you just used that word again. Yeah. Um, but you're working at a nonprofit. How, how does um, taking risks in, involve what you're doing today? Well, we go into a lot of communities. For example, we've been working in Afghanistan for a couple of years. And again, we're trying to make a difference in communities. And you bring in some ideas from the outside. You know, it's, I don't mean a physical risk, but it's a, it's a challenge, right? Um, so I think we, you know, we're trying to up, 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 uh, how, how, turn how, things how, up. How many, how many employees is this organization? We have about 1,500 employees. Most of them are nationals. But have you had any personal experience going into foreign countries, foreign lands, and trying to help convince folks to get educated? You yourself? You've done this personally? In my 20 years living overseas, girls' education, again, is a good example. When I lived in Egypt, I would go into communities, sit down in the mosque, and talk to people about why they should send their daughters to school. So you know what's happening on the street. You know what's... So you're not just sitting in an ivory tower. No way. You know what it's all about. No way. And that's why I got my current job. They wanted someone who actually lived and breathed it. Gotcha. Who's got the next question? So you're one of eight kids. Tell us a little bit more about that family dynamic and how that has translated into your life's work. Well, um, again, I think my family had a great opportunity to come to the States. We're a very close family. And, but when you have a lot of kids, you got to be a little bit noisy or you can get lost in the shuffle of everybody, right? And you can also, you can have leaders at different ages, right? So I was like the leader of the youngest four, right? And so I could have my older sisters. They were the ones who t- giving me help in my homework, et cetera, because my parents never had time. And I kind of could do the same thing. Didn't down. that prepare you for dealing with a board above you as well as, tell yeah. us a little bit about that psychically, you know, where you're comfortable dealing with the older ones, but also taking charge of the younger ones. Give, yeah. me, give me a little bit about that, how yeah. that prepared you to run this thing. Well, I think that helps with my organization, right? I'm dealing with my board, which are CEOs of major companies and major uh successful people Mm -hmm. but i'm very comfortable going into a village sitting down cross-legged on a mud floor and talking to the community about what their issues are sounds to me like you also really enjoy that i love my job why i don't know it because it's it's such a interest every day is different Mm -hmm. it's so challenging to Mm -hmm. figure it out it's Mm -hmm. not easy to run a nonprofit so Mm -hmm. large the average person gives us five hundred dollars a year so we raise over $220 million from the average wow. person that's giving us $500 Brian a and Noam, what it's kind of questions you guys got? It's a business challenge as well, which I really love. Brian, Noam? You had told a story earlier about your sister um, wanting to mm. leave home, mm. and you knew then that, that that wasn't something that you wanted. What happened, uh, you know, what, what led you to know that you didn't want to be at home? 
Well, I, I love my family, but I just thought there'd be a bigger world out there than my small community that I grew up in. And I just wanted the opportunity to go see it. So that's why it was the first one of my girls in my family to go away to college. Everybody else commuted, lived at home. That's why I signed up to go to Peace Corps when I got out of college. It was an opportunity to see the world. That's when I was in Peace Corps. I signed up for the re- most remote area uh, where, if you remember, Joy Adamson and Born Free, I met her. She was um, working down there. It was really remote area. Lots of interesting experiences there. So I just, I love, and I'm very close to my family, very close extended family, but I also liked seeing everything out there and taking the risk to go out and see it all. That's why I moved from country to country, um, Six t- uh, continents to continent six times in my life and wow. brought my family along and my kids are the same way now they're they're good risk takers how many, how many kids do you have I have two two kids how old are they my son's 31 my daughter's 24 either one of them like you uh, my son is most like me what do you mean um, he's a big risk taker he's mm-hmm. done a lot of interesting things I'll tell you an interesting mm-hmm. thing that happened at my first board meeting mm-hmm. I come out of my first board meeting mm-hmm. to a phone call mm-hmm. it's from my son's school the hospital mm-hmm, mm-hmm. April 16th, mm-hmm. 2007, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Virginia Tech shooting. Yeah. My son was one of the children shot there. He's a survivor, but that's just another kind of thing our family took on, and he's just moved and done incredible things. What did you learn from that experience? How did that affect you? Um, it's really interesting to be part of a national strategy, uh, national tragedy, right? That, so you're dealing personally, but you're also kind of helping people deal with it as well. I got tons of letters and people giving gifts to my house and all that. And I had just moved into town. I didn't know anybody. How's that experience experience paralleling what you're doing at Child Fund International? Well, that regardless of what happens in a kid's life, they should always be given an opportunity, right? And that what happens to you doesn't have to define you. No one? Before the show, you um, you told us that your father was a bricklayer, and I believe you said your mother was in sales at some point. Um, what are, what were the lessons that you took from them and what they did, and how do you apply it uh, to the nonprofit world? I think it's being really hard workers and being planners for them both to work full time and well part time my mom, but and raising eight kids. So and it was just being responsible, like showing up all the time, <coughs> you know pulling your load, that kind of thing. I, I always respected my parents for really working very hard. Hmm. Did they tell you that? Or did no, you see that? they lived it. What are you they, talking about? They lived it, and they were never ones the preacher or whatever. I think all my family, my siblings, myself, have moved way beyond my parents' aspirations and ever experience. They had to, my oldest sister graduated first in her class in high school. Mm-hmm. My parents had to be talked into letting her go to college. That was mm-hmm. not their worldview. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's the website totally address for this uh, Child Fund International? The website address childfund.org. Childfund.org. We've been speaking with Ann Lynham Goddard, President and CEO of Child Fund International, here on Executive Leaders Radio, with my co hosts, Brian McKnight. Noam Fishman and Spiggle and Phil Fagan from Pulsinelli. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. Nice interview. Oh. Oh, we're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Rob Cohen, with my co host, Brian McKnight, Noam Fish- uh, F- Fishman. Ann Spiegel and Phil Fagan from Pulsinelli. We'd like to introduce Carolyn Perron, President and CEO of LiveSafe. What is LiveSafe? What are you guys doing? LiveSafe is a mobile safety communications platform that lets college students connect with campus safety officials and employees connect with their security officials to share intelligence to prevent incidents from occurring. How did this business get started? It was born um, as a result of the Virginia Tech shooting and post um, the survivor, who Christina Anderson, who was the most injured um, student, 
found out afterwards that there were a lot of leading indicators of what the individual who did harm um, did in his behaviors and things he posted, and she wanted to create a technology so that people could share insights and potentially prevent something like this from happening. How interesting. How old is the business? Four years old. And how long have you been with the organization? A year and a half. Huh. So you're taking the business to the next level. Correct. All right. Where are you from originally? I'm sorry? Where, where are you from originally? Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland. And how many brothers and sisters? One younger brother. Uh-huh. And how young were you when you were involved with uh, getting involved with uh, business? Or didn't you launch a newspaper or something? What was that story? So when I was 10 years old, I came home um, from school, and they had this sheet that came out that was a, a quasi-newsletter, and it was all about boys and sports and things going on in the school. And I said, this doesn't represent anything about the whole group of the school. And my dad and I sat down, and I said, I want to start a newspaper. And he said, absolutely, you should do it. And so I did it and launched it, and then uh, we moved multiple times, and each time I went to a new school, I ended up doing the same thing. Wait, 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 wait. So you're 10 years old, and you had an idea. The girls weren't adequately represented. You decided to go ahead and launch a newspaper yes. with your father's encouragement. Yes. And then you moved the whole mess of times, and you did it a couple more times? Correct. <laughs> um, so your dad encouraged you? Absolutely. My biggest supporter. Uh-huh. So uh, who's encouraging you nowadays? I think I have a great network of females in my life, professionals, as mm -hmm. well as my family. And, of course, starts at home, my kids and my husband. What do you mean it starts at home with your kids and your husband? I think when you're this committed and you love to work, you have to be able to bring everybody that's closest to you you know, as part of it on the journey. And if the kids and my husband weren't supportive of what I did, it would be really hard for me to do What's my the job. difference if they support you? If you get home, if you if you leave home, at, you know, you're this president and CEO. If you leave home at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and you get home at 4 or 5 o'clock, why do they need to bother to support you? You don't have to work weekends. Okay, so I don't know what CEO job you have, but oh. um, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, I work a lot of weekends and a lot of nights and I love my work I absolutely love it and it's important for my family to see that it brings me joy but the more they know about it and feel a part of it the happier we are as a, as a unit but don't you think you're depriving them of their mom the, the, your kids and your husband and absolutely not what do you mean? Because uh, if I wasn't happy and satisfied, I think home life would be miserable. And it, actually, I think you lead by example. And both my kids know that I love my work and they're completely supportive. And when there is something important, like a balance, you know, you make time for the family. So you love your, your work doesn't feel like work. No, it feels like a joy. Huh. How about that? Uh, you mentioned at 14 that you had a, a part-time job. What, what was that job? I was a maid uh, cleaning condominiums. You were a maid cleaning condominiums. Mm -hmm. So you were cleaning hotel rooms and condominium rooms. Correct. I got the bathrooms and the kitchens because I was the youngest, and that's what nobody else wanted Wait a to minute. do. You're, it says here that you're the president and CEO of this really popular company, LiveSafe, and you were cleaning bathrooms. Yes. What did you learn from cleaning bathrooms that you use every day now? I learned that any job well done can be rewarding and also that the people that you work with um, as a team can accomplish things. So we would go in as a unit, two or three people, to clean a three-bedroom condominium, and we would divide up the work, and you kind of worked as a team. And it can be very, very rewarding. And I also carried it forward that any job and every job that's being done out there you know, by any person has merit and value and can be rewarding. I just wanted to know the answer. I didn't know that there was a correlation between being cleaning bathrooms and being the CEO of a company. And now I understand. I'm glad I asked. Who's got the next question? Um, you you seem uh, like you were a very close-knit family growing up. What was life like around the dinner table? 
So my father was in sales and then became a CEO, and he would bring people, would be at our dinner table all the time, traveling salespeople from his group, and we would talk business and sales constantly, and it was catch your breath, lose your turn. We're very passionate, dynamic people, and um, there's a lot of collaboration, and it still goes on today. So you didn't get to talk about what happened at school that day or your friends? We could, but um, we really always had a big business bent, and we loved to know about my dad's company and what was going on with work, and we talked about school some, um, and we shared, you know, we moved probably eight times growing up with my dad's career, so we were a very close-knit family. Did you feel deprived? I mean, you know, your friends are out playing ball or talking about what new dress they got, and you're talking about business around the dinner table? I think it's kind of what you grew up with and what you know. We we loved it. He shared his work, and we all felt a part of it and with my mom, and so we didn't feel deprived at all. Huh. Well, isn't money the focus of your whole thing? No, absolutely not. I think you have to have a passion for your work, and then you know the money will come. And so for, for my work, it was about growth and sales and building teams, and this company in particular is actually preventing people from getting hurt and bad things from happening, so it's incredibly rewarding. Huh. Is your, your brother's in a similar type of work yes he's the ceo of a software company Mm -hmm. and so what's your relationship like with him today oh it's fantastic we call and talk strategy and um we have a beach house and so every other weekend we're all together we're very very close-knit interesting who's got the next question here you had uh, told us earlier about your leadership style. Uh, could you express a little bit about that, and, and where does it come from from your background? So I, I think you lead by example. So I grew up in a family where my dad would articulate what was going on in his life and his work and where he wanted our family to be, and he would communicate that, and we would all get behind it and share and collaborate. And my style is very, very much the same. You give transparency to your team. You tell them where the goals are, what the mission is. You support them wholeheartedly. You're not afraid to get in the trenches and do anything that you know needs to be done any job any role and from that i think you build loyalty and from loyalty and teamwork you get success interesting who's got the next question here you talked about moving around a lot as a child and and starting new newspapers at all of your stops it it seems to me that there's a question of unfinished business what is it in terms of starting the newspaper and then moving on to the to the next to the next location. Is there an aspect there that you bring to your job today? I think business is constantly evolving and constantly changing. And so if you can launch an initiative and build a team around it and move to the next thing and know that that group behind you was collaborative and you know took it and, and led it and it continued to exist, it's just like when you have people on your team and they go on in their careers and they move up and they contribute in other ways. I think if you can start and seed things and let them grow exponentially, it's a good thing. Do you ever look back and take pride in what you started and let other people kind of grow into and succeed with? Yes. And I think that the, some of the happiest moments for me is people that I've worked with that worked for me in the past, have, watching their careers flourish and watch them build out their own teams and continue to contribute. I don't think there's many more rewarding things than that. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't that competition and stuff? And you're not making any money. They're, you, know, you taught them and now they're doing their own thing. You're not making anything from it. You get the reward of knowing that you know your contribution in terms of working with them you know, is benefiting them. I don't think it needs to be uh, you know necessarily a monetization. I think you can just feel good in terms of helping people. And certainly, you know I read the newspapers. I know that CEOs fire people all the time. They don't have any heart. What are you talking about? You're helping people succeed and not making any money. It makes you feel good. Uh, I think lots of people have heart. I think you know just because you're ambitious doesn't mean that you can't help other people. And if you surround yourself with really smart people and they help you. You collectively as a group achieve something big just like any team you should be very happy and satisfied it with sounds that. like you learn that cleaning the hotel rooms the bathrooms with a team 
Absolutely. Team is everything. Is that really true? Yes. No one accomplishes anything as an individual. You have to, whether you're a kid in sports and your parents are driving you or you have a coach or whether you have a, you know, mm-hmm. love robotics and math and you have a teacher or whether you're an employee, you are always being helped by a group of people to achieve any goal. What's the website address for this organization? LiveSafeMobile.com. Let me have that one more time. LiveSafeMobile.com. We've been speaking with Carolyn Perron, President and CEO of LiveSafe here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is the host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Brian McKnight, Noam Fishman, and Spiggle and Phil Fagan from Polsonelli, the law firm here in Washington, D.C. like to introduce Barry Morris, President and CEO of Caprilo. Barry, what is Caprilo? What are you guys doing? Well, Caprilo is a technology company that's mm-hmm. focused on delivering best-in-class relocation services on a global platform. So basically what that is, it's, uh-huh. it's an easy button uh-huh. for a company to hit when they're relocating employees. So if I'm relocating employees and I gotta go find a moving company, that's what you're doing, only you're making it easy because of technology? Yeah, we're actually offering services, everything from uh, helping sell a home, helping them find their destination property, help them pack and move. So really we do A, a, a to Z, uh, and we do that by supporting a numerous packages or uh-huh. different packages of technology. How many, how many employees are involved in this business? Uh, so the relocation company has about 105 people, mm-hmm. and the Move Services has over 700. Whoa. Uh, all right. And uh, let's see here. Where are you from originally? From Falls Church, Virginia, so yeah. born and raised locally. How many brothers and sisters? I have two older sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of sports did you play as a kid? Uh, played a little bit of football, but my main sport was crew. I was actually the stroke man on a varsity A team. So what's the stroke man on a varsity team do? Basically, we set the rhythm and the pace of the uh, stroke of the boat. I'm the last guy in the boat right before the coxswain. So what's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, I, I think what it shows is in order to be successful as a crew team, uh-huh. you have to work together as a team. Yeah. That means the slides of the seats have to go at the same time. Uh-huh. Oars go in the water at the same time. you got to pull at the same time. It's no different than any uh, corporation and leadership. you got to work as a team to succeed. At 16, you got a job as a lifeguard, and then something happened. Tell us a little bit more about what happened. I did. So um, I was originally um, wanted to uh, be a lifeguard as a summer job, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, was great for the first year. The second year, uh, I, I thought it was great, but I wanted something more. And I developed a relationship with the regional manager that was responsible for six pools. Uh-huh. And uh, so my lifeguarding job wound up managing six pools for the uh, third year. How long did you stick with that? Uh, probably on all about um, five to six years. And how many of the other kids that uh, were involved with this, how long did they stick with it? Uh, it, was, it was very seasonal. So typically we had a lifeguard for one season. So your nature is to take things the next step, isn't it? Well, that's, that's what I enjoy. It's, it's all about follow-through. Uh-huh. It's all about follow-through. It's all about taking things the next step. And uh, did this regional manager help you uh, take on the job? DT? Well, he did. So uh, I actually looked at him back in those days as a, as a mentor, as a coach, who, who helped me understand what the next level was about and what the responsibilities were and helped me achieve that. Interesting. Sitting next to you is a fellow by the name of Mickey Williams who um, tells me that the reason uh, that his role is actually uh, to help mentor you. And uh, Mickey, you held this job previously. You're retiring from it, from what I understand. And uh, what's it like to mentor him? What's a good mentee like? 
uh, you both learn and uh, and teach when you mentor. And so wait, 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 wait. I thought when you mentor somebody, you tell them what to do. Wrong. Uh, you ideally you tell them what you've learned, the positives and negatives of what you've learned. I always believe you learn more from the negatives than you do positives. So wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me as a mentor to Barry, who's taken over the 700 person business, you're gonna, you're willing to tell him some of the boo boos that you made? Absolutely, every one, so that Why? he won't make them. Well, why would you no, do that? Well, I'm not totally retiring. I'm going to stay on the board. You know, all right, so I good. still have skin in the game. All right, wait, wait a second. So you're telling <laughs> me that part of mentoring somebody, it's not telling them what to do. Give me that again. Not telling them what to do. Yeah. Telling them your experiences. Yeah. And actually, as a mentor, I find it very uh, gratifying that I learn also from the people that I'm mentoring. What are you I've talking learned, about? I've he learned did. more from Barry in the last uh, four weeks. Then I might have learned in the last four or five uh, how, years. How could from you other be people. learning from him? What are you talking about? I don't understand that. Well, we hired Barry to take our company to the next level, and so why would you I do hired that? Better than myself, and we're expecting Barry to be better than I was. What are you crazy or something? What do you mean you're hiring somebody better than yourself? Well, we want the company to do well. We want the employees to do well and have a have a great manager. I thought the, the whole thing in corporate America was a slaughter of the next guy. You're telling me you're looking for people better than you, and in fact, you're willing to help mentor him so that he can take the business to the next level? Hey, that's what teamwork is all about. I, I didn't know, realize that. They play off of each other. I, I, I'm glad you're telling me this. Who's got the next question? So, uh, you told us, uh, Barry, that... Um, a story about how you learn to come in and lead a bunch of people not knowing who they are and that's the job you're you're in now what you're facing yeah, how'd yeah. you learn that? can you talk about that yeah so um you know basically uh two points number one leadership's leadership so it doesn't matter if it's uh in a totally different industry that you've been in for 35 years if you know how to lead people if you know how to work with people if you uh know strategies you'll be successful as a team. So it's not about one person, it's about the entire team. Case in point, this was my first job back when I was 23 years old. And uh, I was a project manager of um, this program that we were deploying a mainframe over in uh, the United States Air Force Europe. So we were over in Germany and I had a team of four people, mostly engineers, programmers. And uh, when I walked into the room, there were 25 to 30 full bird kernels sitting around a u-shaped conference room table and immediately i got very nervous and uh realized i was way over my head so what i did is i leveraged my team to calm me down i brought various people up to talk about the technology and what we were, what we were doing for the air force and and at the end of the meeting it went great and uh it was all about working as one together so what would you learn from that experience that you're using nowadays well, you have to surround yourself with excellence. Uh, what Mickey was saying earlier is, um, you know, a leader is judged not by what he does, but by the people he surrounds himself with. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, give me that again. A leader is uh -huh. not judged by his individual acts. Uh -huh. It's who he surrounds himself with. So you're telling me that you really want the best people around you and you want to do everything you can to get them to be the best people. Because that's your definition of success? I think a true leader understands that they are there to support the team. And you have to have the right people. Wait, 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 wait. Mm. 
A true leader is there to support the team. That's not right. what I read. I thought if somebody doesn't do a job, you just fire them. It's their fault. You get rid of them. So our, our job is to make sure we are doing the right things. Our job is to make sure we are supporting the people that are part of this team that, that are responsible for getting the job done. You know, if, if I'm not there to support my people, I'm no better than um, than uh, so, some so you, average person. On the street. So your middle name is develop your people, develop your team. And that's why mentoring is so key. You know, I talk about coaching opportunities. I talk about mentoring. Uh, mentoring really is a bi-directional communication. So I expect people to have straight talk with me to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Uh, I'll do the same to them, but it's about learning together and working as one. All right, I'm learning something here. Who's got the next question? So this question's for both Mickey and Barry. Both of you in your answers have talked about the value of relationships. Can each of you look back in time to the moment where you realized and the, the, the concept of relationships crystallized for you as being so important in business? Sure. Well, I'll go first. So for me, it really came from my mother, and she instilled in us family was everything. So important. And and that led to not just being a very tight unit as a family, but also making sure that we were with the right, hanging with the right group of people. Uh, picking your friends, very important. Uh, she wanted to make sure that we weren't getting in trouble down the local 7-Eleven stores. So she was very involved in, in who we picked as, as our friend. And for me, uh, that led into uh, this whole mentoring, coaching, working as a team, working as one. So I think that influenced me greatly. Mickey, how about you? Um, the importance of relationships hit me right between the eyes when I was about 14 years old. Um, at the age of 11, I tried to get a paper route, and I went in to, um, uh, to apply to the circulation manager, and he said, well, you've you got to be 12 years old. And so I went back and I told my father that, and he said, well, what you need to do between now and 12 is make sure that circulation manager knows that you want that job. And so I went back every month after that to ask can I have a paper route? And it wasn't until I was 14 that the circulation manager told me that my dad showed up every month after I was there. And dad not only got to know the circulation manager, and they actually looked forward to him coming in because he established a relationship with that circulation manager, with the press manager, with one or two of the editors. And when they had uh, when they had a, an open uh paper route i got it one day after i was eligible wow wow who's got the next question uh, mickey mentioned that you learn as much or maybe more from a negative experience as you do from a positive experience is there something barry that that you view as a negative something that didn't go well or something that you draw from now and how you approach business well really taking a negative is is it could be anything from uh, the way you run a meeting. Um, it, it could be your strategy, your go-to-market strategy. Uh, anything that people see as a flaw in what we're doing, uh, I, I view as, as a positive because mm -hmm. as, as we talked about earlier, if we're going to get an organization to the next level, mm -hmm. you have to be willing for change. Barry, change what, is critical. What's the website address for Caprilo? Caprilo.com. Caprilo.com. We've been speaking with Barry Morris, President and CEO of Caprilo, here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. Nice. Nice. Right. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. We'd like to introduce Mickey Williams, Executive Vice President of JK Moving Services. Mickey, what is JK Moving Services? What are you guys doing? Uh, JK is a facilitator of uh, a number of different uh, 
moving options, mm-hmm. uh, household goods for individuals, uh, commercial moving for offices, mm-hmm. and uh, corporate relocation services through Caprilo. So this is like the overall company, and Caprilo is part of it. That's correct. All right, and I understand that you were that you were involved in a previous business which you sold, and then somebody asked you to come in and to take Caprilo the next step. And I understand that you took that business from eight people to 105 people. Is that true? That is correct. So it sounds to me like this Caprilo was a little was a small business when you got involved. Eight people, you took it to 105 people, and now. You brought in Barry to take it even the next step. Am I correct about that? Absolutely. And you're serving on the board of the mother company, so you're going to be involved with helping support Barry and help oversee some of the other stuff that's going on. Does that make sense? That's going to be what's going to happen in 18. In 17, uh-huh. I'm available to Barry and to the team and to Chuck Kuhn, the, uh-huh. the, the owner and uh, uh-huh. CEO of JK. All right. For whatever good I can do. Where where are you from originally? Jackson, Tennessee. How many brothers and sisters? I have one sister, younger, five years younger. Uh huh. What did mom and dad do for a living? Dad was a radio and TV engineer. Mm -hmm. He also uh, was the owner and the sole operator of a small telecommunications company, Mm -hmm. which he did part time. Mm -hmm. And he was also in the National Guard. Uh huh. So dad kept himself pretty busy, huh? He did. Uh huh. And uh, did you ever go to work with your dad? I did. How young uh, were you when you started going to work with your dad? Oh, three or four. And uh, wasn't that pretty rotten, though? Your friends are outside playing, and you have to go work with your dad? Oh, it was marvelous. Uh, you know, that was the technology of the day, radio and, and TV, so electronics, you, so and I got to be around it all. So so you don't, to you, work is play. I mean, your dad was a hardworking guy. He was a radio engineer. He had his own business. He was also part of that. kept himself pretty busy. And it's like, you're your father's son, aren't you? I am, and I can't remember a job that I didn't have fun at. Uh, I've never considered myself to have a real job because it's always play and fun at the same time. You're a hardworking kind of guy. What would your mom do for a living? Uh, she was a kindergarten teacher, and so, then she was director of kindergarten. Uh-huh. Oh, you're, uh huh. Oh, what what part of your mom's kindergarten teacher did you do you bring to work every day building Caprilo, this relocation business? What, what part of a kindergarten teacher was it that helped take the business from eight people to one hundred and five people? Well, I think that one thing mother eva- um, <clears throat> valued relationships highly, and. Um, and and she loved education. She loved teaching, um, and she loved being a role model. What's that have to do with building a moving company? Well, you you have to show your people the hard work ethic. You have to show them that you're invested in their careers by helping them advance their own careers. And uh, all at the same time, it, it grows the business when you grow but, your people. But these are just moving guys. Did you ever talk to the moving guys? Absolutely. Did you like doing that stuff? Yeah, I do. What did you like about that? I like people. I like hearing what what value uh, people think they bring to the business, what their cultural values are. Uh, I love hearing all about them. I love to hear about their families. I love to hear about what motivates them. You like you really interesting to me. You like hanging out with those folks. I do. It's not just hanging out with people that make a ton of money. Uh, I'd probably rather hang out with the other folks. Why is that? Uh, That's where I grew up. What do you mean? Well. We were uh, 
I, I don't even know if we were a middle class family, lower mm-hmm. middle class. Mm-hmm. We, you know, lived from paycheck to paycheck. We worked hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we socialized with with people of that. I grew up mm-hmm. with people like that. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable in that environment. What's the measure of success to you? Is it how much money you make? Um, what I give back. What I can claim that I've given back to um, everybody that I've worked with and wow. to the people around me. Wow. Huh. What an interesting... What, that's interesting. Who's got the next question here? Uh-huh. Mickey, you uh, talk a lot about your, your father with a fair amount of reverence. You know, what, um, what sort of lessons... Obviously, hard work is one that, that, uh, that he taught you, uh, you know, applies to your work today. Hard work was one. Perseverance was the other. Uh, positivity uh, was the other. He, I, I can very rarely remember him being down. You know, so those are important characteristics. He, his value system um, was incredible. The, the thing that's gratifying is uh, he, he's passed on about seven years ago, but all of my friends now, and I still have friends that I do stuff with um, every year. We have a retreat where about six or seven of us get together. They always mention my dad and the respect they had for my dad. Why, 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 what was it about your dad that they, why would your friends mention your dad? Because he gave him cigarettes or something? Or what? <laughs> well, he might have, but I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Uh, what was it about your dad? He was personable. He paid attention to him as a person. Uh, when they talked to him, they felt like they were talking to someone that they could talk to. He looked them in the eye. He rarely gave them advice. But he listened. It sounds to me like it's the way you sort of built your team, looking them in the eye, caring about them, hanging out with them, judging the people for who they are, what you can give back. Uh, good summary. I agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. What's important to you? People. People. So um, do you drive the fanciest car? Um, I drive a fancy car. It's a... Uh, 16 years old but i drive it is it really 16 years old why yeah. don't you drive the field why don't you go out and buy yourself a really nice car um i only buy what i need i don't need anything more than i've got you built a successful business though you've got all this money you're telling me that you, you're happy driving a 16 year old car though it works it gets me where i want to go it's comfortable well, i just wanted to make sure i, I understood what's the website address for jk moving services That's jkmoving.com. Excellent. We've been speaking with Mickey Williams, Executive Vice President of JK Moving Services. Uh, And we've had the opportunity of speaking with Ann Lynham Goddard, President and CEO of Child Fund International, and Carolyn Perrant, President and CEO of LiveSafe. Barry Morris, President and CEO of Caprila, which is owned by um, JK Moving Services. Mickey Williams is Executive Vice President of JK Moving Services. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Mr. Brian McKnight, Noam Fishman, Ann Spiggle, and Phil Fagan from Personality for co-hosting today. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. And Phil, what is the website for Personality? Personality.com. Personality.com. Thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Nice show. Nice.